conversation continues with Steve Allen, LBC 97.3. Morning, team. Nice to be company. Four minutes past five, Thursday morning in uh, London town. Carrie Ann says, just seen a close-up of you on the South Bank Awards. Bless your heart. Which is quite sweet, isn't it, What actually? does that mean? I don't know. I think it means old bless. <laughs> it means old oh, bless. Is that what you say to old people? Yes, yes. But well, I suddenly realised last night, Paul Savory, good morning. Good morning. That, uh, that I, I am now moving into my twilight years. And to be honest oh, with get you... get out of here. I like the twilight years. You are not in your twilight years. I was talking to my driver, Christopher, this morning, and we were both saying that we thought London was better back in the 80s. Oh, yes, it was. We thought it was fantastic. It was... It appeared to be cleaner. You could go around London. You know, it was just nice. It was a better place. Now, you fear for your life. I spoke to a a policeman the other day in Twickenham, and he said that his mother, who's in her 80s, is frightened to go out at night. She's frightened to get... Isn't that disgusting? Mm. That his mother is frightened to go out. And at the local supermarket, all the the little hoodie people hang around Mm. outside. My mother won't go out after dark. Isn't that appalling? Yeah, it is. Isn't that a terrible state of affairs? Are more pensioners with submachine guns? That's my answer. Absolutely. Make sure you know. Make sure should... they've got walking sticks with poison darts in them, and just go, "Hello, young man." Prod. Yes, oh. I think we should go through a, a phase where they issue them at the post office yes. when you when you present your pension book. Here's your you your Uzi. Because <laughs> isn't it funny that you never ever get pensioners who go out robbing? You know, they, uh, except I'm sure I saw a film on the television once where these pensioners decided to all club together and start going out robbing for the life of me. I can't remember what well, it was Well, there was that dreadful film was Stale- Sylvester Stallone, wasn't there? Well, most films were Sylvester was it Stallone. Was it Throw from a Train or something? Oh, she was, was that? A gang- oh, right. was she a gangster? I can't <laughs> right. remember. It was Estelle Getty, anyway. Right. No, he's not of with course. us. Of <laughs> course. Oh, <laughs> yes. Bless. Not with us anymore, Shame unfortunately. Really. And she was the youngest, of course. Yeah. Yes, because she played old. That's right. They're all they're all fairly ancient now. They are now. B. Arthur is is really getting on. She's yes. been around for a long time. I met her once, I think, at the uh, another award ceremony in London, and she's tall. Oh yes. Because you know what everybody used to say about B. Arthur. It's a bloke, isn't it? People used to say it's a bloke because she looked because she was so tall and had that sort of haircut. People used to think it was a bloke. People and, used to say and the low voice and the very low voice. Of course, the uh, the the thing that I always remember is her uh, starring role in Mame with uh, the Lucille Ball version, oh, God. The musical version. Really? Yes, she plays the uh, the, the best friend actress. Right. Is that, and, that's uh, in the stage version. Yes. Right. That's right. Where she wakes up in the bath and says, "Who's been sleeping in my dress?" <gasps> Because the film version was hilarious. It was shot through gauze. Oh, several layers. Several layers, because every time it cut to Lucille Ball, you could... Where is she in that mist? Yes, it completely went out of focus, didn't it? It was the same as Dynasty. Didn't they used to shoot uh, Linda... What's her name? Yes. The same way. Yes. Linda Gray. It's called soft... No, not Linda Gray. Um... Oh, Linda Evans. Linda Evans. Yes. And apparently, you know, close up, all these people are getting on a bit, but, um... When you actually see them in real life, they really are getting on a bit. So when they shoot them on camera, they've got to put this soft filter on. But it's ridiculous, because when everybody else is on it, they, they take it off. So you can see properly. I thought my eyes had gone funny. <laughs> well, Awful. Yes. Anyway. Uh, Carrie-Anne says, programme next Monday on Channel 4, 9pm, about Billy Talon. Billy Pass. Talon? No. Backstairs Billy. Queen Mother's. Okay, yes. Favourite serve. The one who, yes, the yes. moment he died, out. In fact, the moment the Queen Mother died, out. Out. They just, they wipe them out completely. They're not interested anymore. The, you know, you, you've served your, your time, so they, they get rid of you. They, and then he died. But of course, we'd had all this memorabilia. 
And the Queen Mum liked him, so I would have thought, if, if your mum likes him, ma'am, uh, you know, then you should like him as well, because he, he gave a lifetime service. They just don't appreciate you, the royal family, do well, they? Well, they should be looked after, shouldn't they? Like any other employee that's, that's worked in the same job for a number of years. Shame that they don't. In fact, the only time they ever cry is when they lose either a corgi or the ship. I remember them all standing there. Diana, dry-eyed. They could have been, you know, anything at all. The ship goes down, the Queen's got a tear, a corgi dies, and all practically in mourning for a month. And yet, well, you know, a member of the family dies, and they couldn't give us stuff. <laughs> Shame, really. Anyway. Uh, 84850-steve-at-lbc.co.uk. Paul. Steve, there's a, a, a story here of a stranded cat who ignored signs of help and managed to get himself to safety. The kitten was stuck on a ledge above a river drain, so locals called out fire crews and the RSPCA to rescue it. However, the determined Moggy ignored attempts to lure it onto ropes and decided to jump into the water below. It then swam to a ladder on the drain and climbed 20 feet to the top. Startled fire crews and the RSPCA waiting for him uh, were just amazed when he scrambled away. An onlooker at Lincoln's Sensel Drain told The Sun <laughs> it was high drama. He was looking uh, soaked and kept slipping on the ladder. Dozens of people were shouting, you can do it. Can do I it. guess cats just do what they want when they want. <laughs> he ran away, didn't he? So, he did. So he actually, I, I thought that was quite funny, actually. <laughs> so I saw the picture of it and I thought all these people getting out there, because cats traditionally don't like water. No, they hate it. They hate it. Our, our cat, I remember once in the sink. Oh. Would you have never seen a cat get out of the sink so fast? They do. It was very funny. And they said they were their paws touching it. That's right, yes. And yet cats, don't they sort of... I've, I've seen, I'm sure, on some of these programmes on telly where you see cats sitting on aquarium trying to catch the fish and then they fall in. <laughs> Which I think is quite funny as well. <laughs> uh, the film Paul was thinking of is Stop or My Mum Will Shoot, says Mark. Oh, maybe. Mm. I remember it was dreadful. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Steve? Thanks, Mark. Says D, I saw you on the South Bank show. You look gorgeous and well. Only caught the last few minutes, but gave the lovely Mr. McIntosh the award. He looks fab too. And so he should do with 300 million quid in the back bank. I could look quite good with 300 million in the bank. Actually, it's amazing how many people watched the South Bank show. I reckon we, we've boosted the figures quite substantially. Although, good news this morning, because we need a bit of good news. There's some good news and bad news. The good news is that Denise Van Outen's dream has come true. Her stage star boyfriend, Lee Mead, he's only been in Joseph, let's not push it too far, uh, has popped the question. Good he's on finally him. said to her, what the hell do you do for a living? And, uh, <laughs> and they're going <gonna>, to <laughs> get married. Although I'm, I've got a bit... I mean, it's nice that, Denise, at your age, you finally need to settle down because you're, you're heading towards, you know... When it, when it gets, gets a little bit dangerous for women of your age. Well, she must be getting on a bit now. She is getting on a bit, actually. He's only 27. <coughs> I also better warn you as well that he shaves everything. When he was in Joseph, he had to shave everything. So when it grows back, Denise, as you know, uh, and I did know you were going to get engaged because I thought that's why you've taken a photographer with you on, uh, on your holiday. She was, of course, at one time, used to go out with J.K., mm. that little, little tiny singer. Yes who had a bit of a bust-up with a photographer once, a good friend of mine, when he accused him once. of touching his... Well, he's had quite was, a few bust-ups. Yes, I think uh, several. I quite like that. The, B the, the Sun this morning are saying, together with a, a load of the other papers, that uh, the BBC are going to slash TV and radio wages by 25%. Oh, no, they're not. Oh, no, they're not. If you've got a contract, that's honoured for the duration. You can't give somebody a contract and then sign it... And then go halfway through, oh, by the way, we're now cutting that money. That's why you've got a contract. Yes, but maybe they will, uh, they will cut it on renewals. Yes, exactly. But what they're, they're in, sort of saying here is that Barbara Windsor will lose 90000 a year. 
I should probably won't bother to do it, then. Exactly. And if I'm sure if all the BBC stuff... Well, she probably will, because she loves it anyway. They say here 360000 a year. It's not bad money, is it, Bar? Not bad money. Terry Wogan, 800000 a year. For what? Well, exactly. Well, That's what a I'm radio d- show We're doing now. a radio yeah. show. Yeah. Chris Moyles, 630000 a year. Good grief. And it does seem a lot, doesn't it, for doing a radio they, show? They need to cut it by 50%, not 20 Well, I think that's... that's in. I mean, I have to be honest, and I'm, I'm in, in full support of all these people. If that's what the corporation pays, then you're not going to turn around and go, oh, it's too much money, I'm not going to have that. They, they say that Graham Norton, two and a half million a year. <laughs> Seems an awful lot of money, doesn't it? It does. I mean, you know, compared to what we, we get here at LBC, it's, 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 on a, it's on a par. But, I mean, for other people out there, you know, little people... You know, who have to get by maybe on a hundred, two hundred thousand a year. It's difficult. I don't know how we survive. Unbelievable, isn't it? I've never heard money like it. I mean, I think Barbara, for the amount of money the BBC must make out of her and selling it around the world, then she's not on a lot of money, is she? Although that's more than the Coronation Street people. I believe that nobody on Coronation Street is on more than two hundred thousand. Well, why not? Why shouldn't they be? Well, I don't know. I mean, I just, I just think if you appeal to that many people and you generate an income, you should be worth more money. Do you not think yes. so? Well, mm, obviously not. No, I don't, actually. Mm, why? I don't. Because the BBC... The, pro- <laughs> the problem is, is ITV is a business. Yeah. So they, pay, they run it like a business and they pay proportionately. Yeah. The BBC is funded by us... Right. And it's a bit of a bun fight, really. Always has been, Auntie. Right. Auntie Beeb, hasn't it? I've, I've always and thought that they've wasted money. Yes, exactly. Especially when it comes... If, if this was a BBC radio programme, there would be the equivalent of around 10 to 15 people working on it. Yeah. Absolutely. You're t- As you're opposed to just the three of us here this morning. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Sometimes just two, two of half. us. You're I remember once... About, you're they... talking about Big Cat Diaries in particular, yeah. aren't you? Well... Yes, How many people went out to that? Was it, was it 50 or something silly? 50. When they do the Chelsea Flower Show, there's, there's more than 200 people go out to cover that. I mean, it's just just crazy. And you wait till they do the Olympics, there will be hundreds of people. It's a free, Many of them just sit there twiddling their thumbs. They've got a lovely fleet of lorries and everything else, but come into the real world, and it's completely different. Indeed. Completely different. And you, I remember going to the BBC once, and I remember watching, and I think it was Simon Bates, and Simon will have to correct me, because he works just down the corridor. And there was him in the studio, there was somebody else who was also paid to put on records, then there was a gallery which had six people in it, and that, then, there were, then there were the people in the office as well, mm. and you began to think, what do they all do? How many people does it take to push a button? And the answer is, you've got somebody to push a button, somebody to oversee somebody pushing a button, somebody to sit by and watch because they had to take a tape off here and put it over to there. Some and you think to yourself, it's a dreadful waste of money. Exactly, which is, which is my point. Mm. Uh, the BBC is, a wa- is, is, is not a waste of money, but they do waste money, if you see the difference. Mm. Uh, and it's about time that they've started running it as a business. If you have something like EastEnders that's sold all around the world, sure, pay them, pay them a, a very good basic salary yeah. and give them um, a royalty. Yes, I think we, we have that now. I think some of the presenters here have it built into their, their contracts that, that you get a pay increase if you've increased the audience. I mean, if you don't yeah. increase the audience, there's not much point, is there? Well, you because know, people like Barbara, I, th- I think I'm right in saying, just got a salary and not a big salary for doing the carry-ons. Oh, it was, oh uh, you asked Barbara about the carry-ons. In what? fact, Barry and I have, have talked about this before. The, the, I think she got paid something like... 
And it, it might even be less That's than this. a few hundred quid. 900 quid a film, yeah. less than 900 quid a film. And in those days, they didn't know about future year's earnings. So people took this, this one-off fee thinking that was quite That's good right. in those so days. So they got nothing for the VHS sales. They got nothing, nothing for the, the television, nothing for the DVD sales. Pennies she gets. If ever it's a carry-on yeah. film is shown and she's in it, I think it's pence. You don't get a cheque for, like, 32 pence. And you think, for the mm. amount of money those films have generated... Indeed. Where does it go? Who, well, I'm who, not who, picking who? on the carry-ons no, in particular. No. You know, it, it's, it's something that's historical and, and, and it's something that needs to be looked at because these people did it for, for, for no money. Jimmy Perry told me that when they wrote the Dad's Army and things like that, they got something like 150 quid a script. No. 150 quid for doing the script. And it was something like that. And he said, the strange thing is that years later, when they show it, mm -hmm. he said, I get a cheque for 10,000. Yeah, he said, weird, that's it? how much it generates now, but in those days, and they wrote so many, so you can imagine that in, in later life, Jimmy Perry now gets loads of money, because the, the, these programmes make a lot of money around the world. Well, great, uh, and so they should get yes, repeat fees. absolutely. But uh, for 360000 a year, I think they get Barbara Windsor very cheap. Very cheap. Thank Actually, talking very cheap, I'm very late for my news. It's got nothing to do with being cheap at all. But it's amazing how many of you seem to have watched the South Bank Show Awards last night. Probably because I did plug it quite a few times, and they could see how gorgeous I was. And, in fact, most of you agree, apart from a tipper driver who says I look as I was going to seed. I wasn't sure if that meant that I was going to a market garden or something like that. 5.17. News headlines. A man's been shot during a pre-planned police operation in Haringey. Local officers attend to the scene in Green Lane. At just gone a quarter past midnight. He's in a serious condition in hospital. Five men have been arrested for conspiracy to rob and are in separate police stations across London. The US House of Representatives has backed an $819 billion stimulus package for the country's ailing economy. President Obama's welcomed the passage of the bill, which now passes to the Senate before a final vote next month. And Starbucks is planning to cut nearly 7,000 more jobs during a new round of store closures and other cuts. The company says its profit has dropped by more than... Really appreciate your endowment. LBC 97.3. Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. It's 5.20. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast, LBC 97.3. Uh, Anton uh, has a theory on why pensioners don't go out in the, uh, on the streets. Joe, you know, you're probably not wrong. The trouble is, I think it's always been... That there's always been certain areas of the country which you, I've always considered safe. But now I look at things and I look at houses on the television, I think, that's lovely. It's in the middle of nowhere. Oh, no, there's a chance of getting robbed. I don't want to... You know, I wouldn't want to live out there. And they were showing a couple some lovely houses the other day. And all I kept thinking was some poor man in Bridlington, of all places, was beaten to death the other day. And, and you begin to think, Bridlington, isn't that... Why are this pond life? Who are these people? You know, it's not, it's not racial tension or anything like that. These are ordinary people, the sort who do appear, I'm afraid, on the Jeremy Kyle show and the soon-to-be-defunct, uh, whatever she's called, um, on Channel 5. Her. Trisha. Trisha, which is, which is going, thank God. But you do worry about it, don't you? It's, it's bad when you can't walk out. If I'm out walking late at night, if I come into town and I hear somebody behind me, even in the morning, if I, feel, if I hear somebody walking up behind me fairly quickly or running, I do tend to try and get myself into a position where I can, I can see who it is. Indeed, so do I. Especially since I got mugged about eight years ago. I'm very aware of really? people behind me. Yes. It, it, it's quite, I remember somebody saying to me once, Oh, excuse me, here. And I thought, I'm not even going to acknowledge the fact I can hear you. <laughs> You've just got to look after yourself in London, but it's a bit much when pensioners can't I don't think you're safe anywhere anymore. No, you're not. You're, uh, I, I agree with you. 
You know, you're just saying in a remote countryside you're not safe. You're not safe in a town. Where yeah. would you be safe? Well, I don't know where you're safe now. But you do think about that. When, when, when you're buying a place, you think, is this secure? Mm. Is this safe? I mean, like, luckily, where I am, very safe. And, and very good neighbours. Most people have got no idea who their neighbours are. Well, uh, strangely enough, uh, as you know, I live in a very, very small street, five houses altogether. Mm. And we do know each other. Yeah. But, but I lived in London for 13 years. Never knew the people mm, next to me. Didn't know my neighbours, no. <laughs> Maggie says, mm. I'm an OAP. I live on 6,500 a year. You need to get yourself major diabetes and make sure you can't work like uh, Alexandra from X Factor's mother. Her benefits total £17,600 mm. a year. Yeah, if 17. I was you, I'd go to the uh, Citizens Advice Bureau. Yeah, you're obviously um, not claiming enough, Maggie. Yes, exactly. You need to go and see how much you can claim and what you can claim for. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure that they will be able to find ways of uh, upping your income. Yes, absolutely. It's ridiculous you should have to live on things like that. Uh, Ingrid says, about the recession, it's been said that Britain will suffer the most, but why? I don't know. I love Gordon Brown the other day when he was saying, uh, I have nothing to do with me. I know nothing about the recession at all. That You're an idiot. You're an idiot. It's ridiculous. Uh, Sue in Richmond says you were on loads last night. Great to see you. And, uh, Steve, we saw you and Biggins on the South Bank Awards last night. We both got excited as we only watched it to see if we could spot you. There was a time when we used to get excited in bed and we never had the TV on, <laughs> says Sue and Mark. <laughs> Halcyon days, eh? Halcyon days. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, David says, was that you sing sitting next to Biggins? Looked fun, but I wish you'd been singing instead of Michael Ball. Actually, he was, he was very good. He was very, very, very good. Uh, Debbie and Hendon says, I saw you five times. Rachel in New Malden uh, also saw me. So that's good, isn't it? And, um... You could play the banjo next year. I could play the banjo. <laughs> <laughs> and another one here that says, Who needs chocolate when we have your price... You... Uh, when we have you. You're priceless to keep us laughing in the morning, which is good. Uh, Barry says, You've shown to be a true pro on the radio. When did you start your radio life? 1860. <laughs> Feels like 1860. <laughs> yes, it was when they were trialling it. That's right, they were trialling There was me and Edison <laughs> and Marconi... I think it was Marconi who did radio, and in Chelmsford, I think. That's right. Because I stayed in a hotel down there once, and over the road was the building where they did radio, <laughs> which is fantastic. And Diana says, did you talk to Elaine Page? We laughed. We laughed and laughed and laughed. Paul. Steve, there's a story in the, uh, in the Daily Express today about uh, tiny not light, light bulbs, I'm say in a minute, tiny that could slash bulbs. bills by 75%. And this is in the wake of, um, of your normal incandescent bulb being banned... Um, by 2016, and uh, of course they're they're all selling out off the shelves at the moment because they won't be available from next year. Mm. You only have these horrible um, energy saving bulbs that are, are, are basically a uh, a small version of, of, of a fluorescent light bulb, and they're dangerous. These things. They contain mercury. Do they? Yes, they do. Oh. That's why it says on the box that you shouldn't throw them in the bin oh. when, they're, when they're spent. What do you do with them? Well, exactly. <laughs> but, the, but the thing is, oh. they can't have them in landfills because otherwise, you know, landfills they'll break yeah. and uh, and mercury will go into the ground. In fact, it oh. says on the box, if you drop one of these uh, energy-saving bulbs in a room, you're supposed to shut the doors and leave the room for five hours. Good grief. Uh, and these are the things that they're encouraging us 
to use. Well, actually, mm. they're telling us we have to use. Yeah. But uh, this man's invented uh, a tiny light bulb that... Uh, Oh, it, it's uh, it's a, it's about a fifth of the size of a penny piece. Oh, how nice! And um, it can launch, it, it can slash household bills by seventy five percent within five years. Um, it's smaller than a one pence coin, as I said, one penny coin. Sorry, Bill Buckley would tell me off for that. And um, it, it costs about two pounds. All right. How long does it last? A hundred thousand hours. Oh goodness! Which is much better than uh, yes than either of the uh, the bulbs that we're being offered at the moment. But uh, I, I do think that uh, we should try and get these into production quickly, yeah. so we don't have to have these mercury-filled bulbs mm. because they're bad news. Okay, take your word for it. Talk your bad news. Katie Price is in the sun this morning. That's uh, Jordan and uh, Jordan, who's a g- 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 glamour girl. Uh, as they would say on the television, is going to finally head a polo team at one of the biggest horse events. Now, I don't want to point out the patently obvious to most of you listening who know about polo, but it is a sport played by people with loads and loads of money. To be successful, you need at least eight polo ponies per player because the horses only race for about 30 seconds and then they, they change them in because they go very, very fast indeed. The idea that Katie Price can play polo is almost laughable, I'm afraid. This girl is going to be uh, doing it uh, her own team into battle, KP Equestrian, taking on top riders headed by another unnamed celebrity. Well, I have to tell you that she will fall flat on her big fat ass because Polo is, you know, I think she thinks you just sort of go up and then you just tap the ball. It's so far, this is quite clearly being done as a publicity stunt. And uh, somebody says here, it's the most dangerous sport in the world. That's why she won't do it. She can't do it. The very idea that she could even gallop at the speeds that they do of polo ponies is laughable. So I'm quite confident in saying that she won't be doing polo as we know it. 84850stevenlbc.co.uk. Oh, Natasha Kaplinsky's obviously got a bit panic-stricken. She's going to go back part-time to Channel 5 to read the news. Uh, word of advice to Natasha, we don't need you, dear. We've got the other girl, and she's much cheaper than you, and she's better. So, uh... For 850... Morning, team. Nice to be company. In a moment, Nathan Morley. Uh, two bits of good news. First of all, the squatters have been kicked out of that Mayfair Indeed house. they have, yes. Uh, including one girl who looks fraudulent to me. And the reason she looks fraudulent is all the rest of them have got piercings and silly wigs and, they, you know, they're a throwback to the 70s, you know. Whereas this one comes out with designer luggage and everything else and her hair looking like she's just had a bath. And it turns out her father is a lawyer on Fifth Avenue or something. And you think, are you a complete prat? And the answer is you look at her and think, yeah, you are. She says, oh, I couldn't afford to do anything or live in a property. Her father's a top lawyer in New York. Either she's a fraud uh, or she's been planted in there because she doesn't look like a typical squatter at all. She looks like she's just, she's infiltrated the gang to see what it's like inside there. She's too preened, is she? She's far too, look, I mean, look at her, (coughs) sorry. And bear with us at home, but you'll, you'll see the pictures in the Metro this morning. And she's she's given interviews in a few of the other papers. She just doesn't look like a squatter, does she? Not at all. No, exactly. That's why I'm, I'm very sceptical about uh, Very sceptical. Uh, sorry that I was rude about uh, Rubinio's wife, Vivian, but by God, she's a hefty hideaway girl. She I mean, is. compared to the wags who you see hanging around, or the old things that hang around in nightclubs hoping to, to bag a footballer, this one looks like she's, she's eaten too many mince pies, I'm afraid. Makes you want to launch into hairspray, doesn't it? It does, absolutely. <laughs> it does, absolutely. Listen, a uh, lot to get through. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. David Beckham, according to one of the papers today, has uh, said he's going to stay in Milan. And that, of course, has uh, left his wife Victoria's American dream in tatters. This is the woman who wears the old lady clothes and whose hair is dropping out. I mean, if it gets much worse, 
Won't be anything left for the poor girl to comb, but he said he wants to stay in... in Milan. There's nothing left of her, is there? There's nothing left of her at all. I mean, and that's with clothes on. I mean, she is... <laughs> well, anyway. Anyway, let's go and talk to our friend Nathan Morley in, uh, Cyprus. Morning, Nathan. Yes. Good morning. I think she's gorgeous. I think she's lovely. She's oh, divine. don't. Do you I really? Do. I saw... Yes, I saw photos. She just did the... Uh, was it the... the these underwear pictures for Klein, I think they were the other Oh, but that wasn't her. That was airbrushed. Airbrushed? <laughs> that was airbrushed. She <laughs> doesn't really look strange. like that. You say it with such certainty that I almost believe you. Listen, I've <laughs> sat in a studio next to her. I know what she looks like close up. Yeah? And She's... is she as lovely as I think she is? Oh, goodness. She's got the worst skin you'll ever see. She's got really, oh, really true. bad skin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Whether you're just you're just winding me up, you're pulling my chain because you know I like Victoria Beckham. No, I'm no, I, I didn't I, know you liked her. <laughs> I, I, I did say it before on one occasion, and you poo-pooed it, and, and I think you cut me off. <laughs> I, this is absolutely scandalous, and I can't believe you've said that. I'm taking action against you. No, I mean she isn't attractive, and whichever way you look at it, she does have very very bad skin. She does wear a load of makeup. She's got very very thin hair. She's quite. The, her family are lovely. Her mum and dad are really. You, you would want her mum and dad for your mum and dad. You know, if you didn't have a mum and dad, I? you... Yeah, they're, they're really nice. They're very, very down-to-earth. Unfortunately for Victoria, she's had so much publicity now, it's got to the stage where they are Teflon-coated. Nothing... It, you can say whatever you like about her, it doesn't make any difference. The fact that she was the one in the Spice Girls who was the, the naff, unattractive one, she couldn't sing for toffee, she couldn't dance, she doesn't have any discernible talent, and yet she's made a lot of money out of having the best agents. She's because very good at pouting. She's very good at pouting, but she can't smile. Well, you see, that's that's the funny thing. I thought she was the best Spice Girl. But no, but I mean that in a caring I, I, way. I mean, I don't want you to think I'm being bitter and twisted. No, no. I mean, God forbid that you you could single her out for punishment because Absolutely. that's just not you. No, it's not but, me at um, all. No. Uh, I, I thought she was the cute one in the Spice Girls, and Emma Bunton, the the other lot, they were just riffraff. They are were you, rag and bone. Are you on drugs or something this morning? No, no. no I, Emma Bunton was I, I, Baby Spice. She's lovely, isn't she? Yeah, she's not. Well, I mean, surely she has to be better than Victoria. Well, I'd put them both in the same league, actually. What a, Victoria a, and what, a, what about Jerry? Oh, no, no. You see, that's, that's all the, the rag and bone. The Jerry, that one with no teeth, what's her name, Mel C or something. <laughs> and the, the other scrag end. Um, <laughs> Mel, Mel, B. Mel B. Mel B. Yeah. Oh, no. Scrag end. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the funny thing is, Jerry Halliwell's in the paper today, walking through Milan Airport with her new boyfriend, uh, who's she's a millionaire. Oh, yeah, she, she's got one. I mean, it'll last about five minutes. They're engaged now. She's sporting a £200,000 ring. The trouble is, he has admitted that he was a big fan of the Spice Girls which means he's going to be so disappointed when he and discovers... Gay, probably. Yes, when he discovers <laughs> that she's as boring as hell. <laughs> <laughs> well, she used to work over here, in this region. She was a, um, a, one of these dolly girls on a Turkish TV Yes, I remember show. seeing her, yes. And, uh, and then she did a lot of topless shots out here oh. and, and then became a Spice Girl. So she could always go back. Well, I don't think she, she's a... I mean, I do have a friend, funnily enough, who thinks Jerry Halliwell is gorgeous. But I have to say, I think he's... He's, he's had as a hatter. You know the oddest um, people, don't you? You think that Victoria yeah. Beckham is gorgeous and sexy. Yes. Yeah. And your yeah, friend do, thinks that Jerry Halliwell is gorgeous and sexy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you worry Spray me. It's isn't it? Well, it's, it's <laughs> just... I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I have seen Jerry Halliwell up very close. Yeah. And it's OK, but it's got nothing to talk about. 
Well, I don't know. Look, I mean, I don't have posters of them on the office wall or anything no. like that. I've still got my Husky calendar up, Husky 2008 calendar, <laughs> and uh, my, I've, I joined the Bichon Club of America who are sending my new, my new calendar over. <laughs> Gets worse, doesn't what? it? Gets what? worse. <laughs> your your Bichon. I've got one of their watches, I think. Really? Bichon, yeah. <laughs> Bichon. <laughs> Did- As- Anyway, I, I, I've joined the, the Bichon Fries Club of America, right. and they have all sorts of goodies once you remember that. I've got a Bichon Fries fridge magnet, and uh, a car keys, uh, a key ring for the car keys is brilliant. I'm thrilled to, I'm thrilled to bits with it. Oh, lovely. Absolutely Nathan, Nathan, Nathan. I'm just, I just worry. I no, worry no. that you're, you know the drinking is out of hand, and you've now joined the Bichon Frise Club. And you've, you know, if you're excited over a, a blooming fridge magnet, what hope for the yeah. rest of us? No, no, no. Honestly, it's healthy. It's a healthy way to spend your time. Really, uh, <laughs> and Americans, are, Americans are so enthusiastic about it. Yeah, well, that they, so it's true. They are. That is true. They are, and I, I, I can testify that the Americans are very. I have to ask you very quickly about the weather at yeah. the end of February. Uh, well, not very good at the moment. I tell you, that I'm sitting in the car near Cape Greco. I was actually driving when you called, and I pulled over. And uh, we've, we've got. Where are you a going? Big... Uh, sorry, where are I'm you going? I'm just off to get the morning the morning paper. <laughs> but you know that we call you at this time. <laughs> I know, I know, and I thought, I thought I'll be back in time, but I'm not because they're doing road work, so I had to, to go another way. Right. But anyway. You know, I don't want to bore you with my mundane, boring, no. drug-fueled life. Uh, I, so <laughs> I, uh, I pulled over. And weather in February is not too good, I'm afraid. No. It's, it's usually uh, a bit blustery and windy. Very Demoria here on the cliffs, you know. Right. Uh, and it's around the end of Terry March. Very Demoria. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> as in Daphne. Yes. As in as, Rebecca. Yeah, oh, as in Rebecca. She wrote some books here. Sorry? Mm. You know, uh, she wrote some books here, Mandalay. I don't know if you know the book Rebecca. No. Last night I went to book. Mandalay again. Oh, well, Mandalay right. was actually starts. in Cyprus. I, I, I know the song, On the Road to Mandalay. No, completely different. Oh, right, okay. That was one of the road <laughs> movies, <laughs> was it? That Mandalay right. was India. <laughs> that Mandalay was India, I'm sure. I'm sure of it. <laughs> but, um, the, no, it's not too good. Bring a brolly. I didn't think anyone could afford holidays anyway now. Well, you'd be surprised. A friend of mine went, went to like Scots it. the other day and said it was packed solid. <laughs> that surprises me. They tell me this credit crunch is so bad people can't afford bread. But uh, saying that, I haven't seen any pasty tourists around the past month or so, so we have to be thankful for something, I suppose. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I know that you have a, you've got a bit of a crime problem going on at the moment, haven't you? I'm not joking. And do you know, funnily enough, Steve, what they are blaming it on... Uh, there was a press conference the other day, and they were showing it live on television. Uh, and the police are actually bl- blaming this crime wave we're having in Cyprus, and I'll briefly touch on it in a second, on the credit crunch, because there's been 30,000 jobs in the construction industry which have ac- been axed over the past few months mm. in Cyprus. And that's a, that's a whopping amount for an island of less than a million people. And uh, yesterday we had a bank robbery where uh, two men got away with a quarter of a million euros. Good on Lord. Monday, there was, there was a, a robbery on Monday at another bank, 30,000 euros, and two bank robberies the week before that, <laughs> plus um, burglaries have gone up, car crime, smuggling, uh, all, all of these, uh, th- these kind of things. So, actually, Cyprus has turned in someone into, into uh, Costa del Crime. At the Good moment. Lord. Uh, and what are you doing with all doing? the money? Well, at the moment, I'm trying to get it off the island. <laughs> but by, Just send by, it to by, me. 
I'm sitting here, look overlooking a cliff, waiting for a boat with a red flag on it. (laughs) 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 Do you know, I mean, it it, it comes back to that age-old question, doesn't it? You're walking on the road late at night, and there's an old mailbag there. You pick it up, and inside is bundles and bundles of £20 notes. Do you hand it in, or do you keep it? Well, it's funny you should say that. Because you are sitting at the moment in the car (laughs) with Mr Chaz (laughs) and a mailbag. Do you you know, I know a bloke here, and this is absolutely true, he's a very respected uh, man who did find a bag, I think he found around £17,000 in it. Uh, That's how much worth. And he took it to the police, and the man who lost it claimed it. And do you know what he gave the guy who found it? No. A cheese pie. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> that's very generous. Oh, che- che- cheese pies are quite nice, actually. If you're feeling hungry first thing in the morning, a cheese pie is good. It is. I think he was hoping for something more once he'd handed this seven. Well, the cake as well, or something. <laughs> <laughs> the bloke gave him a cheese pie, shook his hand, and made 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 off, which I thought was quite a sweet oh. story. Uh, I, I bet he wish he'd kept it now. That's unbelievable, isn't it? I, isn't I, mean, I remember when my mother moved out of a flat years and years ago in Knightsbridge, she, uh, she cleaned everything, cleaned the inside of the cupboards, did the bathroom, hoovered. So the people moving in could move in with a toothbrush. I always do that. Yeah, which is mm. quite normal. When other people move out, they've taken light switches, the door furniture, plants out the garden, everything. I've never seen like <laughs> it. Yeah. It's yeah, just ridiculous. Yeah. It's it's horses for courses. So for him to give him a cheese pie, he probably thought a cheese pie was quite a generous thing to buy. Ah, <laughs> uh, but your mother was you, you. You're from a horses background. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So she was used to postings and and uh, marching in and marching out, as they call it in the forces. You know, where Stephen, you tidy your bedroom. You know, like that. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't actually sound like that. No. That was. She said, Stephen. <laughs> Completely different. No, didn't they pack you off to boarding school? Yes, they did. Yes. Yeah. And then yeah, the swine. When I came home, they'd moved. <laughs> <laughs> I turned up there with my little, my little gas mask round my neck, my little suitcase, and, oh, and the house was all boarded up. They buggers had moved out. <laughs> Mugged off to Hong Kong, hadn't they? <laughs> they had. They got. To, took me ages to save up the money to get out there. <laughs> Slow boat. <laughs> Slow boat to Hong Kong. So anyway, so just just going back briefly to the weather. It's it's bad and it's it's not brilliant if you're going on holiday. Not really. I have to be honest. I mean, I much, you know, every week I try and sell Cyprus in the best possible light. Um, you know, we're very hospitable, warm people here. Uh, but usually just during the months of May to September. Right, OK. So if May you want to keep September. it within that time frame. You'd be delighted to know that Mark says, I agree with Nathan, I think Victoria Beckham's a total goddess too. I like Katie Price a lot. I suspect, Mark, you're vastly overweight and you dribble. That's all I can say. In <laughs> <laughs> keeping with Nathan. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, nobody's ever going to go Katie Price is attractive unless you're attracted to drag queens. <laughs> it's just... Well, as I... You know, you know me, love thy neighbour. She lives down the road. So I'm not going to say... It. The last neighbour I had a chat about ended in disaster, as you well know. So I'm not going to say a thing. <laughs> and hence you living in the car at the moment. <laughs> Yes, actually, I can feel quite safe in this car. It's a new one, and I feel quite safe because I have a very good panoramic view. <laughs> good. Well, we like talking <laughs> to you because you know it, it, it's sort of it, it, you're a little bit of home, I think. Thank you. Thank you very plenty. <laughs> you're very welcome. Lovely to talk <laughs> to you. Maybe next week we'll talk to you through a lawyer or something like that or a medium. I think it's best to go through my spokesman. I think it's best to go through your spokesman. Same, same person who handles Victoria Beckham. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Mr Fuller, is it? Oh, right. Oh, right. Listen, you have a nice day. Bless you, gentlemen, and you too. And we'll talk to you next week. Look forward to that. Take Ta-ra. care. Bye-bye. Oh. There he is, our man in Cyprus, Nathan Morley, sitting in the car. 
I bet the dog's with him. It's got to be with him, hasn't it? And we, f- we forgot to do the it's story. Probably, it doesn't matter. We'll do it in a bit. Yeah. It's probably full of empty gin bottles and <laughs> things, I would have thought. Poor old Nathan. <laughs> Quarter to six. News headlines. This morning a man is seriously injured after being shot during a pre-planned police operation in North London. It happened just after midnight in Haringey. Five men have been arrested on suspicion of conspiracy to rob. And some of Britain's Olympic hopefuls will find out later whether their London 2012 dream has died. UK Sport will allocate its remaining funds and 12 events are facing cuts due to a lack of money. LBC 97.3 Steve Allen Morning, everybody. It's uh, 12 minutes to six. I forgot to mention at the beginning of the programme, shame on me, because I'm, you've now got to really get your skates on, because it's a bog-off. It's a Steve Allen bog-off in the How Low. It's a Sony Vio laptop. Come on, get yourself out of bed. Get yourself to your phone. Text in, please. Every penny helps, as they say in this day and age. But because it's a bog-off, and I'm feeling particularly generous today, especially to those of you who are listening at this precise moment, I would like you to win the fantastic Sony Vio laptop at 5.30 this afternoon. To help you on your way a bit of extra help every bid you make on this show between now and seven i'll give you a second one free you must take the second one before seven so in other words if you manage to get in five between now and seven o'clock you take another five for free no charges whatsoever so it's buy one get one free it's a special offer on the email on the show it's bog off i know you're half asleep but it's a, it's an offer. There's no point in paying for full price ones. And on this programme, you can get two for the price of one. So the lowest unique bid will win. The lowest bid in pence that nobody else makes. Auction closes at 5.30 today. You text LBC, followed by your bid in pence, and send it to 88821. So LBC, followed by your bid in pence, and send to 88821. Every second bid between five and seven is free. The bid will cost pound fifty plus your standard network rate. Lines close at 5.30 today. You must be over 16. Go to lbc.co.uk for full terms and conditions. So it's bog off, but only until seven. So good luck for uh, that one. Katie Price is a babe, says Dorman Don in Orpic. What's the matter with you all this morning? They've all gone completely balmy. Has Nathan started something here? Not sure. If you saw Katie Price, Dorman Dom, you wouldn't be saying that. I mean, close up, it's a bit rough, OK? I don't want to sort of, you know, don't want to be rude about it or anything else like that. Do you know, 40 years ago today, what happened, Paul? 40 years ago today? 29th of January, 40 years ago today, 1969. Yeah. No idea. Okay, the Beatles played for the last time together live on top of the Apple roof. Building. Yeah. Savile Row. Remember that one? Remember that one? Wasn't Those there. were sold enough. I wasn't there either, no. I saw old footage afterwards. Anyway, to celebrate Groundhog Day on the 2nd of February, we've got together with the Pennsylvania Tourist Board to give you the chance to win a fantastic family road trip holiday to... Pennsylvania. To get your hands on this fabulous prize, you've got to be listening to Nick Ferrari at breakfast all this week. Go to our website, lbc.co.uk, for more information about how you could win this fantastic outdoor family fun holiday in Pennsylvania. I love that. Never been, but I just fancy the idea. What's lovely? Pennsylvania. Sounds delightful. Paul's got a story we were going to bring you while, while Nathan was on the line, but I completely forgot. But it's very good. It is. For doggy it's, uh, it, Yes, it's, um, we were going to sell him this because he's obsessed with his dog, as you well know. <laughs> um, there's a California firm offers to perk up your pooch or moggy with a range of hair pieces, especially designed for animals. Well, sisters Jenny and Chrissy Slaughter from Santa Barbara used to dress up their pets when they were children. But after winning a 2007 doggy parade fashion show by knitting out their dog as a Playboy bunny, they realised there might be a business in it and set up Total Diva Pets. 
for that year's parade, they really needed little blonde wigs for their dogs to play Hugh Hefner's blonde bombshell girlfriends. They couldn't find any dog wigs, so they used human wigs, but they didn't fit. Uh, they came out and uh, decided to create their own dog wigs, and they turned out to be very cute, it says here. Jenny says, we realised that creating wigs made for pets was an unusual concept and fun for everyone. Since then, they've evolved their company, and now they offer eight pet wig designs in five sizes, from Chihuahua to Great Dane. They sell for $30, with a design ranging from an afro to a green spiky punk wig. Who would do that? This is cruelty. You mustn't dress animals up. I get annoyed when I see people putting little coats on dogs, little winter coats. Well, as They're you dogs, can see, they've got coats on. You don't go out and dress up polar bears. In the three, there are oh, pictures no. of three dogs there. Bless him, he's holding and, and up the do, microphone. But, yes, but they do. No, no, no. I'm <laughs> for you to see. Oops. You know and, what, I'm um, <laughs> and they do look like three of the Spice Girls. Yes, they do actually. Yes, we couldn't say which, which. I'm afraid. But uh, don't don't dress dogs up, please. Please don't. Uh, wonderful one here, which says uh, two men playing golf. Uh, one is about to uh, chip onto the green when he sees a funeral past the course. He stops mid-swing, takes off his cap, closes his eyes, bows down in prayer. His friends, wow, he says, that's the most thoughtful and touching thing I've ever seen. The bloke says, we were married 35 years. <laughs> <laughs> it's an old one. It's an old one, I'm afraid. Uh, the stunt double who crashed to the ground during a Harry Potter movie set while rehearsing a flying scene, says, I can't feel my legs, because they do them on wires. That's right. But I should imagine it's fairly dangerous. You're flying around. Whether they were doing Quidditch... Yes, yeah, very There fast. are people on wires, and they're on cranes, and, you know, they just airbrush it out. But, I mean, blooming dangerous. And strangely enough, as if proof were needed that the loose women really are as barking and as past it as you, as you really think they are... Nice to see Colleen Nolan struggling with a personality and Denise struggling with whatever it is she has got. Uh, sex mad, that woman. is. every programme she weaves in sex. But they were talking about things in years to come. Within 30 years, they reckon you'll have an invisibility cloak. Which, of course, would be rubbish. Oh. You won't. I mean, it's just a pile of old rubbish. And also, they were talking about jetpacks. Well, I didn't want to point out to the balmy, loose women, but we've had jetpacks around for... Ages. In fact, they used them, I think, in the 1970 Olympics in Los Angeles, where the boys on the jetpacks came in over the top of the stadium. That's right. If you remember. But they seem blissfully unaware of this. That's right. The only, uh, the only thing that stops us using jetpacks mm. is that they can't pack enough fuel into them. They did. They had a guy on Children's BBC, and I don't know if you've seen Children's BBC recently, but it's a pile of rubbish. It really is. It's a lot of older, very old presenters pretending to be young and behaving like five- and six-year-olds. It's really not good. Really not good. And quite worrying at times. But on one of them, they had somebody on a jetpack going up there to touch something on the top of a crane. And this mm -hmm. man goes around the world. And he fits this jetpack on. And he can go up there, I think, for about 30 seconds. Yeah. Because it's... But there's no flames or anything else. It's just... It's like yeah. a jet engine. And he controls it by these two sticks. But really clever. Really. But, of course, the higher you go up, if all of a sudden the power fails, you drop. That's right. Very, very quickly. They say they're going to uh, drop heartbeat. They had an accident the other day, and ITV have finished filming that particular series. They've said they're going to put it on hold. Uh, they say to save money. Heart save failure. Money. Well, I suppose it costs a lot of money, Heartbeat. Because I remember uh, Nick Berry back in 92 in it. Indeed. And uh, whatever happened to Nick Berry? Where did Nick Berry go to? I Can we have a where are got, they now in one of the papers? He's still got my shirt. Oh, well, <laughs> why? Well, remember that song that he did? Can't remember. Yes, the I remember song, it, yes. The, what was it called? Can't remember. 
Every loser wins. That's the one. Every, Every loser, loser wins. wins. We did. Uh, <laughs> I just happened to be at the video shoot, and they needed a white shirt. So you took yours off. No, no, I had one in my bag. What would you do? I know. Never got it back. But he still got Maybe it. But he's still You're listening, got my Nick. Shirt. Can we have the shirt back? I want my shirt back. But I wonder where he is because at one time Nick Berry was on everything. He did Heartbeat and he did loads of things and he was Wixie and EastEnders. Made a lot of money. Somebody told me, and then I think retired with the family to a farmhouse. That's what I heard. Hmm. Whether he has or not, but I think some of, some of the papers should actually do something on him and go. Where are they now? Perhaps he likes to be private. It's like Nicholas Lindhurst. He just likes surfing. He just he's not he's not a showbiz lovey. However, bad news for Patrick Swayze. He's been uh, reportedly given... He's given up on all medical treatment now. Now, generally speaking, when people do that, they go, listen, I've had enough. I don't want to take That's any right. more medicine. I just... Let's just let it take its course. And he did say, I think, in an interview with Barbara Walters, that he thinks he may only have uh, two years left. But uh, he is taking morphine, but he's also smoking. And the morphine... But to be honest with you, I remember a friend of mine who was, who was blind, who had cancer... And, and they said to him, listen, stop smoking. He said, I'm dying. Don't be so stupid. Of course I'm going to smoke. And so he smoked quite happily up until the end. My father said the same thing. Yeah. He had cancer. It was totally inoperable. It was terminal. And he said, you think I'm going to stop smoking? And he said a very rude word, which I can't tell you. The usual sex and travel thing. Anyway, listen, we're going to take a short break for the news. Then we'll take some more of your texts and emails. This morning it's 84850, steve at uk. More stories in the, uh, the papers. Apparently the scientist who pioneers life-saving stem cell research has told how his career was inspired by a letter from Blue Peter 35 years ago. I find it difficult to believe that Blue Peter has been going for so long. But we all, we all grew up with it, and, uh, and good it is too. And I did mention that uh, Denise Van Outen is going to get married, so expect to see that in one of the, uh, the colourful magazines. Do we care? Do we care? <laughs> well, in the slides, John Warrington says, I saw you on telly, saw you on telly. He's up already. Well, no, he said, see you on Friday, I better iron my best shirt. Because I was on the South Bank Awards last night. Ray Embarking side... You weren't on the South Bank Awards last night, were you? Do you know, you'd never guess, would you? Were you? I've hardly mentioned it on at all. On the South Bank Awards? <laughs> was I? On what? On the South Bank Awards. When was that? Really? Last night? No, unbelievable. What, on the television? Yeah. Good grief. Who was I sitting next to? Station continues with Steve Allen, LBC 97.3. Morning, team. It's seven minutes past six. Ray and Balham says, a little while ago, I watched a very interesting programme on television about the life of Ian Fleming. It was beautifully presented by Joanna Lumley, who revealed that when his health began to fail, and against the advice of a doctor, he continued to chain smoke and consume industrial quantities of gin. He died aged 56. What a way to go. Yeah, you see, I would probably think that as well. If somebody said to me, listen, you've got a terminal illness, you just, I mean, I'd probably take up smoking again, I would think. <laughs> just, and then somebody goes, only a joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, definitely not. Oh, Don't want to no. do that. Paul Sabre is with us this morning, being Thursday. Good morning. Thank you very much indeed. 84850, steve at uk. Uh, very quickly, some more of your text messages that I didn't get round to earlier on. Uh, was that I saw... Did I see you at the bus stop in Richmond, just after the bridge yesterday, at around one forty-five? I thought, ooh, says so it's Steve Allen. It was. I was at the bus stop at about one forty. I think it was about one forty-five. I had my sparkly umbrella with me, <laughs> which kept going up and down, up and down, up and down. Uh, <laughs> uh, 84850 Um Another one here, very quickly. This is uh, from... Uh, uh, who's that? I don't know who that is, actually. Who's that? Oh, I can't ask her because she's not here. <laughs> I'm afraid 
producers disappeared off to go and get a nice, uh, nice cup of tea. Uh, no particular reason. Jerry Halliwell, gorgeous, says David and Ashford. Emma Bunton, cute. Victoria, he says, uh, everybody's welcome to her. I never could stand her. Mel C, brilliant solo album. And Mel B, hmm. <laughs> so there you go. So <laughs> kind of summed it all up. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Chris says, I'm losing loads of the weight at the moment. Yeah, I'm drinking tons of Ribena and two curries a day, no rice. Blimey. Do you know, it's strange if I got on the bus yesterday and I could smell curry on the bus. I wonder what you were going to say then. Well, it was a lovely smell. It was, it was spicy. What I was thinking about when you said that, about that diet. What, curries? Yes. Oh, d- yeah, do you, well, anyway. Well, we do like a curry, but, uh, yes. they, they do have an effect, don't they? Yeah. Uh, Steve says, uh, are you winding us up or testing listeners' attention span? Not heard of Rebecca and sounded lost about Du Maurier. Film buff like you must be in your collection. He says, okay, I've fallen for a market research scam. <laughs> of course <laughs> I've heard of Du Maurier's Rebecca. But, uh, it does test whether or not... It, because sometimes people at this time of the morning aren't wide awake, are they, Paul? You know. Uh, what, well, like me? Well, no, you are, because you've driven in. <laughs> Doesn't mean <laughs> I'm awake. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. goes on uh, autopilot sometimes. Poor soul. Sometimes I arrive in St Martin's Lane, and I think, how did I get here? <laughs> oh, really? There's a worry. <laughs> There's a worry. No, not really. uh, in the land of make-believe, would the likes of vacuous Vicky Beckham still look in the glossy mags to see how much coverage she gets with the illustrated man David? Or am I wrong that the lifetime of water being shallow is in dispute with preening Paris Hilton. I think she's on Loose Women today. Uh, you want to watch something vacuous, that'll be it. Pictures in the paper today of George Sampson. You know the one who died on the Royal Variety Show with his little dancing? Uh, he's pictured at a nightclub with Paris Hilton. I only asked the question, what's a 15-year-old doing in a nightclub where alcohol is being served? I only mention it in passing. I'm sure some of the newspapers will have answers, and I'm sure that the nightclub will have an answer as well, unless it was a private function. In which case, what's a 15-year-old with no talent doing out at that time of night anyway? They're not allowed in nightclubs. I didn't think so. 18 to be in a nightclub. That's what I thought. He's 15, and he's out there, pictured with these girls, and he goes home in a taxi with two girls. This is a bit naughty. It is very naughty, I'm afraid. Very, very naughty. Paul? Anyway, always look on the bright side of life from Monty Python has been named as the top alternative funeral song. Oh. (laughs) The song got fifth, got a fifth of the vote, and beat off competition from the jams going underground. Oh, you're joking. (laughs) And the animals were going to get out of this place. A popular choice was Cabaret by Liza Minnelli, which secured 16% of the vote. Yeah. The survey was commissioned by the Children's Society. Work that one out. Why would you, Children's Society, no spend idea. money on this? Anyway, spokeswoman Lorraine Grove said funerals have changed a lot in the past few years. More people are planning ahead to make their funerals personal and reflective of themselves. We know many people prefer a simpler affair and would rather their mourners give donations in their memory rather than lots of flowers, along with a little light-hearted twist during the proceedings, like an alternative song. Hmm. What music do you want at the end? I don't care. No, to be I'm honest, with, be I never here. think it makes any difference. People, my mother, my mother always said to me, um, she said, "Listen, you will look smart at the funeral, won't you?" That's what she said to me when she was organising. She said, "Right, now, I've, I've, I've put two thousand pounds into this account." She's very methodical, my mother. Yeah. Very methodical. When you think about it, I mean, I look back on it, and it was she, she found time to write a letter to me and my brother oh, to be given to us after the funeral, which was quite good. But of course, that completely destroyed me. Uh, and she said, "I put the money in the account, so you won't have to worry about you know waiting for probate and all the rest of it." I said, "Okay, fine." She said, "And we're having." sandwiches and I picked the place where you're to go to so she'd organized all that side of it she said you will look smart 
I said, well, you're not going to know about it, are you? (laughs) Of course I I did. She may well do. Well, that's what worries me. I'm convinced she's watching all the time. I'm not sure she's still with my father, though. (laughs) As indeed (laughs) most people say, though. Mm. He's off doing something else. Well, I was told once by a spiritualist that I had a guardian angel. And... Not with you now? Apparently so. Well, all have you paid for this? I mean, we don't want extra people in no, the no, studio. No, no, no. Th- this <laughs> is somebody I'd never met before in my entire life. And uh, I, I, I was very sceptical, and I said, really, what, you know, what do they look like? And they described my grandmother, my mother's mother, down to the finest point. Really? Even so, th- th- even the way she wore her hair, because she had long hair down to her bum. Yes, as people that, did. That she plaited and then rolled up into a bun behind her head. And she, they described her. Brian she, had she, the same. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and when she, w- right up until the time she died, her hair was still dark. Yeah. Uh, and they described this and then said... And she just wants to say that uh, Emily's looking after you, and that was her name. Good God. So, who knows? I don't know. My mother went to a spiritualist but once. Really, uh, really put the shivers up me at the yeah. time. I was actually told I have a spirit guide. Smirnoff, apparently. <laughs> 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 so I was quite pleased with that one. Anyway, uh, Natalie Campbell is a graphic designer. Morning, Natalie. She very cut. We were talking the other week about, um, um, plates and things that you clip onto the side of plates if you're having a buffet yes and you stick the glass in there as well That's and right. the company that she works for plastico make all this stuff and they've got they've got brochures well, well why not on the, well i know but you just don't imagine it do you i mean, I, I mean it's a plastic but she, she's uh, they do glasses plates clip-on things for the side of plates tumblers yes, these little plates so they do the plates with holes in stick yeah, your thumb through they do Oh, yeah. yeah. They do absolutely everything. And they do some very nice latte glasses. They do all sorts of stuff. Disposable drinkware, which looks like glass. But it's plastic. It's really lovely. And they do this sort of stuff as well. You know these platters that look metal? Oh, yeah. But they're not. Are they not? No, they're not. Isn't that clever? That is good. They look good, don't they? So next time you have a buffet... Food looks good, too. Food does look nice as well, actually. <laughs> I am still watching Come Dine With Me. So, Natalie, <laughs> thank you very much. Indeed. She has a special birthday. And it's on Valentine's Day. How special is that? It's special because it's it's the big three zero. Well, we're all off on Sunday to a, a very posh place in uh, in Surrey for my mum's eightieth. Really? Well, not so we better not say where it is. That. Is it very nice? I can't remember the name of the place. Oh, I couldn't say it anyway, but I know it's in Surrey. My brother's organised it all. <laughs> uh, the light bulbs that last a hundred thousand hours. How do they know that? Uh, because they've been researching them. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, well, this, they've set up to a th- 100,000 hours. Yeah. So let me see if I can find this one. Here we are. Uh, it's, uh, a gallium nitride bulb. And, uh... A galliard nitride yeah. bulb, yeah. Yeah, it, it, gallium. It, it, um... It burns for, uh, for 100,000 hours, lights up instantly, can be dimmed, uh, not like uh, energy-efficient bulbs, which cannot be dimmed, of course. Yeah. And they give out that horrible light, don't they? Oh, see, I like the light. I don't mind the light at all. Really? No, no, no seriously, it doesn't, doesn't bother me at all. Oh, no, don't like it. It's, it's not very uh, personal. You can't mood-light your, your home with these things. Really? Oh. No, not really. But, uh, but I do have mood these, lighting. Uh, these GAN lights, and they're, they're actually like LEDs. Yeah. They're very small, and um, obviously can be put into uh, small units, and it, it would be be lovely if they uh, they took over from these things. And uh, there's a guy called Professor Colin Humphreys who's uh, leading research into these bulbs, which I said is uh, about the fifth of the size of a penny. 
It's tiny, isn't it? Isn't Very it tiny. Small. Stuff you get nowadays. Uh, how bizarre, says Angela. I've had exactly the same experience as Paul regarding guardian angels, and I do believe it's true. Hearing Paul's experience reaffirms it. There you oh, go. Wow. But uh, definitely no such thing as crop circles made by students, I'm afraid. I can quite categorically say that with the courage of my conviction. It's, it's proven. What uh, I want to know is, uh, you know, when you're in, uh, shall, we say, shall we say, in the bedroom... Yes. Shall we say in the bedroom? As opposed to what? In the bathroom? Are they still there? Well, both. Are they still there where? Your guardian angels watching you. What, in the bedroom? And in the bathroom. Well, don't worry, there's nobody seeing anything in my bedroom they won't see anywhere else, I'm telling you. Just me and Teddy. I mean, what he gets up to when the light goes off is nobody's business. 17 minutes. Funny day it is. It really is. 21 minutes past six. It's Thursday morning. Uh, I'm delighted that uh, they're going to stop mixed wards in hospitals. So am I. For the simple reason, my mother was in a mixed ward, and it's not a pleasant experience for anybody, certainly not for ladies. I don't know how gentlemen feel about it, but for ladies, it's absolutely not appropriate, I'm afraid. Uh, They've got a great picture in the Daily Mail today of mummies, 400 years old, and one little girl. They were mummified years and years ago. You see? And it does look like a little girl asleep, doesn't it? But she's in a coffin with a glass top to it. And they're in a church in uh, Italy, in Palermo. And how old's that girl? Oh, the girl is from the 1920s. Blimey. And the other people have been mummified over the years. It's quite... I'll I'll let you have a look at it just while I I chat to... uh, That's really... uh... Yeah. Up my strata, it's a very odd thing, isn't it? And they've divided all the people, all the bodies in the church are divided into married mothers, virgins, children, men, professional men. But they're standing up against the walls. One of them's four hundred years old, still wearing the same priest robes. I mean, it's quite, it's quite something to look it at. It's amazing. It is Although amazing. the ones on the right look like they're voguing. They do a little bit, yes. <laughs> I don't think I'd want to be propped up against a wall with a piece of wire holding me to it, but anyway. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. A little bit uh, shorter than usual. Poor man never gets much uh, much time on this programme, but luckily he pops up with Christo. It's Roger Foss, head man at What's On Stage. Morning, Roger. Morning, Steve. That's just how I feel, like, 400 years old and propped up against a wall. No, heavens above, <laughs> you've never been propped up against a wall. Well, what was that night in, in February, which we can't talk about of last year, but I mean, it's uh, another no, story. Please, 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 no, <laughs> keep, that, keep that to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so, listen, uh, it's Richard Dreyfus back in the West End. Well, back, at the, uh, well, in, back in London and at uh, the Old Vic, and, of course, the, the, uh, the thing that we all had to look out for was not really that this is a world premiere of a play mm. called Complicit, and that Kevin Spacey's directing it for the first time now that he's been running the Old Vic for so many years now, but whether Richard Dreyfus was wearing an earpiece so that he could remember his lines. And, of course, this was yes. in the news a few weeks ago, and the production had been postponed. You know, the opening night was put back because there apparently were problems with the production. But the big story was, was he wearing an earpiece? And did he wear an earpiece last night uh, for the opening night? And, of course, he did, which... <laughs> what, so they were repeating the lines? Well, apparently, yes. I don't actually, you know, it was kind of unnoticeable whether anyone was off stage there kind of, you know, t- feeding lines to him. But uh, you could certainly see snaking round the back of his neck and leading into his left ear a little wire that went round and was obviously a bit like one of those mic wires that you get when mm. uh, you're mic'd up on stage. I would imagine that I was in row three, but I would imagine if you were halfway 
back of the old Vic, you wouldn't mm. actually be able to see it. But nevertheless, it, it was there. And somebody said to me, oh, they're feeding all the lines to him, you know. Because this Although, it happened some years ago with Mae West when she was doing a play. Uh, and halfway through, she went, 22 Somervale Avenue. And the producer <laughs> went... I think you're reading the wrong lines. And it turned out the local minicab had plugged into the same circuit she was on and she was repeating addresses of where they were going to pick up. (laughs) So, Richard Draper, they must be repeating the lines to him as the person who is saying their lines is repeating theirs because otherwise there's going to be a huge gap. Well, exactly, or, or it could all get jumbled up. And, of course, How this is an American it? play with lots of very kind of sharp dialogue. It's all about, actually, you forgot what it was all about, very serious issues <laughs> about he plays an American journalist who comes up before the Supreme Court because he's, he's been revealing all this information about extraordinary rendition and torture and so on in the war against terror. And, uh, and so it's all about whether he can defend press freedom or, or whether he can protect his family. You know, it's all like that. Very, very serious stuff. And, of course, mm-hmm. um, the, the, <laughs> the most important thing was, is, is Richard Drayton wearing his earpiece? But, oh, funny, because the last uh, time he was here, didn't he? Was, he was going to go into the producers, wasn't he? The producers, that's right. And, of course, there was all the talk about having back problems. Mm. And then it transpired that, in fact, they'd, they'd fired him. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dear me. So, so you are of the opinion that he was reciting, unless he's deaf. No, I don't think so. I, I think um, I, it, it did come across last night as though he was perfectly okay and that he was saying everything himself and that he wasn't being fed anything at all. But somebody sitting behind me in the interval said, "Oh no, I'm sure or, 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 he's, he's he's getting everything told to him." You know, oh, so. Funny. I, I, I think it. I think it. Uh, if it, if he was, then it worked very well. Mm. And of course, you forget. You know, this is live theatre, and I suppose it is difficult sometimes for actors. You know, if you get to a certain age, and I mean, Richard Dreyfuss isn't that old. He's only in his mm. kind of mid sixties, I think, yes, or probably even young. younger. Although he looks quite elderly now. But <laughs> you imagine the person repeating the lines, and you know, in the wings, going uh, in today's outlook, and they repeat it, and then somebody goes, "Do you want a coffee? I'd love a cup of coffee." Yeah. And they repeats that, and Richard Dreyfus goes, I'd love a cup of coffee. Yes, two sugars, please. I mean, there is the danger, isn't there? Dear there me. is a danger of it all going wrong, and I think mm. that's the danger of live theatre, really. You know, I mean, people, people can cough, actors can forget lines, they can forget mm. to come on, you know, anything can go wrong. Yes. And, and, uh, and so I suppose, in a way, it's a miracle sometimes that, you know, nothing does go wrong. And, I mean, when you've got a, a brilliant brilliant stage actor like David Suchet on stage as well, playing opposite him, playing the lawyer. I mean, you know, I've seen him in plays where he's got millions of lines. In this, I suppose he shares half of it with Richard Dreyfuss, but I mean, you know, nothing ever goes wrong with David Suchet. You sit there and watch him, and even if it did go wrong, you would never tell. You would never know. You know, that's part of the art of it, I suppose. It's Richard Dreyfus. If you want to go and see Richard Dreyfus, he's on stage. It's as simple as that. You know, how we actually get him on there and how he reads his lines, I suppose, is neither here nor there. It's it's not. not (laughs) But funny at the same time. So, does it get the thumbs up or are we going out of curiosity value? Well, I think curiosity value now is beginning to wane. I think the play itself is a bit dated now that we've got uh, President Obama and things are changing in Mm. the States, you know. But broadly, uh, anything at the old Vic these days with Kevin Spacey in charge is a big event. And I think that really must be, you know, well, well worth going to because 
it's great there now. They've got the place in the round, so it's not like the normal kind of theatre. It's very exciting, very close up, and so close up you can even see the earpiece. So um, it's, it's great, you know, and I, I, would, I, would, <laughs> I would certainly give it the thumbs up. <laughs> All right. Big thumbs up for Richard Dreyfus and his earpiece at the Old Vic, and a big thumbs up <laughs> up against them. And Steve Allen's racing tip is next. LBC Sport with Dawkins Bailiffs, helping commercial landlords get what they're owed. Thank you very much indeed. 24 uh, minutes to seven. I can't help feeling that uh, Rubinho's in the paper. Uh, obviously got the short straw. Normally the footballer's wives are sort of, you know, tall, willowy, blonde, busty. Mm. And that's his offering. <laughs> which, you know, <laughs> I, mean, I don't, I don't want to be rude, but he kind of got the last turkey in the shop here. <laughs> Bless his heart. Yes, that, horizontal right? strikes. She doesn't at all look like a footballer's wife. Mm. I mean, she, she's overweight... She's she's not particularly attractive. You couldn't say he's done too well there. He hasn't, has he? I mean, I'm glad it's not me. But also, I'm a little bit worried. David Beckham has now said, according to one of the papers this morning, that he wants... Look at me talking sport. It's so funny. (laughs) uh, That he wants to stay in in Italy. And I now know the reason why he wants to stay in Italy, because apparently the players over there like pinching his bottom. Um, I heard that the other day, yeah. There yes. Were pictures of it. There, there are pictures of his bottom. And he has actually said, you know, I actually quite, quite like having my bottom... <laughs> played with, and I thought we were in the right country. <laughs> because there's quite a few men over there, David, who will be loving to, uh, to touch your bottom. And so he likes it. Apparently it's, it's considered lucky. <laughs> over here, of course, it's a court case. But uh, over in Italy, where most of the men are, it's, uh, it's one of those things that goes on all the time. Anyway, uh, all of that to one side. Well done too, Mr Blacker, says Alex. Because he has taken the lead with his best result in weeks. <laughs> a non-runner. We're losing nothing. Yes, he lost nothing. <laughs> So, listen, this is, this is considered winning on this programme. <laughs> That's a result, that, that is. is. a result. Yeah. Rate of knots abandoned, so he's still only lost £21. <laughs> uh, welcome was 6th out of 12 for Alex, so today, Thursday's enigma, he said, is uh, the tr- 3.10 at Wincanton, Dastardly Dick. OK. I think it used to be Dick Dastardly, to be honest with you, but, I mean, it sounds more funny, doesn't it, Dastardly Dick? <laughs> Win only. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to uh, Wolverhampton, <laughs> seven fifty. Really through them, then. Moving me as well. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Moving swiftly on. Uh, scarab is my tip. At scarab. Today. I think now, what is a say. scarab? Isn't it's that an Egyptian? Sorry, it's an Egyptian beetle. It's an Egyptian beetle, isn't yes, it? It's green. It's green, and they uh, they had it on lots of things. That's right. That's right. Doesn't it feature in the Indiana Jones films? A scarab. Oh yes, and the uh, the mummy movies. That's right, the mummy movies. Mm. There you go. Good. Anyway, so what, what with a scarab and dastardly dick? <laughs> oh my God. just goes as fast as a beetle as well, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Phil, very much indeed. We'll yeah. put that up on the website, and Phil will be back later. And then uh, we shall find some more stories to talk about. A friend of mine said the other day, he said, every time you talk sport with Phil Blackery, he said, I have to laugh, he said, because you know diddly squat about sport. <laughs> I said, yeah, Strange but I'm bluffing that. it quite well. <laughs> Thank you, Phil, very much. Thank you very much. Phil will be back with uh, Nick Ferrari on breakfast this morning. I must tell you, actually, Julia Hartley Brewer is the assistant editor. They're going to be looking, as well, at um, this story which they talked about yesterday, the one with Wealdon District Council. Well, the Sun this morning have named the council boss. This is a story... Uh, of the uh, marine whose legs were blown off, mm-hmm. wanted to build himself a little house, and she said, well, you're not. She turned it down at the planning permission. Uh, her name is uh, Barbie Dashwood Hall. She's got a 600-year-old mansion. She refused to back down after banning the building of a specially adapted bungalow for Joe Townsend, who's a hero. The 20-year-old, wounded by the Taliban, uh, begged the council to allow his granddad to build the home in East Sussex. Miss Dashwood Hall was given the final say in a tied vote, but decided to block the plan. 
Nice. Quite clearly, not a very nice person at all. No, not a very nice person. Very selfish. Angry sun readers. I mean, yesterday, I mean, Nick could have filled up an entire programme talking about this with people absolutely horrified. Now she's been named. Uh, the Carter's MP, Greg Barker, says, life is difficult enough for real-life heroes like Joe. This woman is just a pain in the rear end, I'm afraid. So uh, she says here, uh, I had to make the decision according to policy. Rules are always made to be broken, Miss Dashwood Hall. And I think, frankly, you know... Your house with non-matching bricks. How you managed to get that one through, love? That's what we all want to know. Mm. Anyway. Uh, in today's How Low Auction, and it's a bog-off for the Sony Vio laptop. It's lovely. So it's buy one, get one free. For every bid you make, second one comes absolutely free. Well worth it. But you've got to be quick. All the bids have got to be in by seven. Lowest unique bid will win. That's the lowest bid in pence that nobody else makes. So if you think it's going to go 69p or something like that, you text LBC69 and send that to 88821. So LBC, followed by your bid in pence, and send it to 88821. Every second bid you make between now and seven is free. So if you want to make ten bids between now and seven, you get another ten bids for free. So five bids, five bids for free. Twenty bids, twenty bids for free. Uh, that'll cost pound fifty plus your standard network rate for each bid, except the free ones. Uh, lines close at 5.30 today. You must be over 16. Go to lbc.co.uk for full terms and conditions. Paul. A man survived <laughs> for two and a half days by sipping a bottle of whiskey after he fell under his sofa. Yes, I heard about this. <laughs> How'd you fall under a sofa? Well, How um, is it possible? Joe Galliott from Yeovil, it says here, uh, tripped over a phone cord during a power cut and landed on the sofa, so. which then toppled over onto him. Uh, divorcee Joe, who has a back problem, lay face down for 60 hours before he was rescued. He had no food or water, but could only reach a bottle of whiskey that fell during the incident. Mm. Strange, that. Uh, he, t he said, I tripped in the darkness and did a somersault over the settee. It tipped on top of me and I was trapped by the coffee table. I couldn't crawl, and the phone was out of reach. I didn't have the strength to shift anything. I've never had anything to drink except a bottle of whiskey that I sipped on. Joe was saved when a neighbour's grandson called. He added, I was so happy when the young man came round. I saw him at the window and screamed. He ran for help, and I was rushed to hospital in the nick of time. And uh, we're pleased to say Joe left hospital after five days. So there you go. What a lovely, touching little story. Yes, always keep a bottle of whiskey underneath the sofa. <laughs> just in case just you in fall case. into it. <laughs> uh, one here from Ray Embarkingside. Uh, he said, having seen you on the South Bank Awards last night... You weren't. Apparently so, yes. I haven't seen it, but apparently I was on there. Sitting next to, um, I think, Christopher Biggins. Good Lord. I believe so. Anyway, he said, it took me back to the time I was invited about 20 years ago, and that was the night that my opinion of Michael Ball was transformed. Up until then, he said, I was a so-so admirer, a little bit overrated. Then he sang Love Changes Everything, he said, and since then I've been a total convert. Oh, he's great. Absolutely fantastic. I mean, I have to be honest, I think all the... Nigel Kennedy, who I'm not the biggest fan of, played live that night, and I thought it was, he was fantastic. I sat there transfixed thinking... Where was this? Uh, the South Bank Awards, apparently. Oh, were you there? I was there, apparently so, yes. Oh, and it was on television last night. Oh, good Lord. And, uh, and I was in shot. Looking particularly attractive, it has to be said. Uh, please say hello to Jilly and Jenny who weren't at the South Bank Awards or shown on the television last night. And uh, this is from Mike, who says, They're a great double act, and we listen to your show every day. Which is exactly how it should be, I'm afraid, on LBC. There's none of these... I don't like people who dip in and out. You know, I heard you last year or something like that. 
Although, like incidents. Sorry? Don't like dippers. Do no, you? we don't like dippers. We want you there permanently. However, there is a picture in the today of convicted thug Jack Tweed, who's off having a sunbed with three of his friends <laughs> and uh, has learnt nothing through being in prison whatsoever. As big an idiot as he was before he went in. Now he's out, but at least he's tagged and he's got to live with his mummy because he's a rather stupid little boy. 16 minutes to uh, seven. Still to come. Uh, the plate which could fetch. A quarter of a million pounds, a number plate. I mean, who in their right mind would pay a quarter of a million? It must be balmy. But uh, they reckon that's what it could fetch. And the advert that's too sexy for television. It'll be for this show, you know. Conversation continues after the news with Nick Ferrari at breakfast. LBC 97.3. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. To celebrate Groundhog Day on the 2nd of February, we've got together with the Pennsylvania Tourist Board to give you the chance to win a fantastic family road trip holiday to Pennsylvania. To get your hands on this fabulous prize, keep listening to Nick Ferrari at breakfast all this week. Go to our website, lbc.co.uk, for more information about how you could win outdoor family fun in Pennsylvania. Paul. Steve, police chiefs in China have been slammed for hiring actors to rob a bank as a training exercise which they may think would be all right, but they didn't tell anybody else. Oh. <laughs> Only the director and the deputy director of the Zenzu Police Department knew it was a drill. Everyone else, including the bank, thought it was a real raid. Four robbers rushed into the post office bank, disarmed security, and demanded all people inside drop to the floor. They even snatched a customer's bag containing £20,000. Critics and police officers, unaware that it was a training drill, could easily have used their guns on the fleeing robbers. They were also concerned about the psychological effect on bank cashiers and customers who had been put through a traumatic situation. The four robbers ran out of the bank in four different directions, but within two hours all had been caught by police in different divisions of the city. A police spokesman later said the police didn't have a preset plan for the drill and all timing, location and method of the robbery were decided on the spot. The goal was to test div different divisions' reaction and coordination. <laughs> I think next time, tell people. <laughs> tell people. God dear. Actually, I got panicky yesterday. I went into Richmond because you know, everywhere you go now, no matter where it is, there's for sale, to let, yes. buildings, you know, shops that have closed down, boarded up, and things like that. And my chocolate shop that I go to in Richmond, the House of Chocolate, it said closed for refurbishment. And I thought, oh no, please not. Luckily, they are just closed for refurbishment. They're, they're repainting. But you get quite panicky when you see that, because I've seen close to refurbishment before and nothing's opened again. Yeah. But Eva assures me they're opening on Saturday. Whew. Ray and Balham says, I was disgusted to read in yesterday's Daily Mirror that Sir David Attenborough has received, and we, we were equally disgusted, threats from a group of so-called Christians uh, regarding his soon-to-be-broadcast programme about Charles Darwin's theory of evolution. They've also criticised him for not thanking God for creating the animals on the programmes that he... Talks. I mean, you've never anything like it in your life. Uh, Ray says someone should point out to these so-called Christians that unlike Darwin's theory, which has been proved, nothing in the Bible has. Although didn't Channel 4 do a very good programme at Christmas where they did all sorts of things, you know, the seven years of famine, the burning bush, the, uh, the waves that parted and all this kind of stuff? And they could have been natural phenomena. Uh, well, the, there is uh, scientific evidence, apparently, that uh, the plagues of Egypt mm. were... Um, natural phenomena and actually one fed the, the next mm. so um i i think some of the bible is historical but i just always but, thought it was uh, a good story at the time 
No, it, it was just a good story, wasn't it? Written by scholars who added to it and added to it and added to it. Yeah, and of course it's been translated from uh, from the original and... Uh, and they've missed words out and they've, you know... Interesting. And, and of course it was rewritten. Oh, was it? Uh, oh, to yes. A, to a great extent. Yes. Uh, I think during Henry VIII's time, was it? I can't remember. I know that the most viewed thing in the British Museum is the Rosetta Stone. Oh, really? Yes. Cues, uh, people stand round it looking at it and marvelling at it, because it's written, mm. I think, in four different languages. Mm. The Rosetta Stone. It's fantastic. Go there. You know, the, the Bible that we, we have today is definitely not the uh, an accurate uh, transcription. You can always of, find of anything, original. can't you, to say what to say, say whatever you want. Pe- people can yes, always argue what's in the Bible. Yeah. It's always, in fact, you, you always get more wars are started over you know religious things than anything else. Yeah, uh, and and the the most silly points mm. uh, of religion as well because. Generally speaking, uh, and it is a generalisation, most religions believe basically the same things. Mm. The trouble uh, is, I've always I've always been told that come the day of judgment, one of them's got to be right. Which ones do you cling to? I don't know at the moment. I'm kind I, of sitting on a fence. I don't know. I, I, I don't subscribe to organised religion, as you know. No, uh, I don't. I, I think it I ruins people's lives. You see I some believe. people so messed up with with religion. Yes, exactly. I, you know, I do that. believe in a, in a greater. Um, Force, but me too. Uh, Royal Bank of Scotland. Yeah, things <laughs> we own most of it. <laughs> I, I don't think anybody on this earth can tell anybody else what it is. No, but people try, don't they? People yes, try they and enforce do. it. I remember once we had a guy years and years ago, and he went away and came back, and he'd had a religious experience. Mm-hmm. And every time he would say something, and before that, he was womanizing and he was going out and drinking, and then he came back and he started saying so. Did you ever think, Steve, that if that if, if would you like to sit down and read a passage from the Bible with me? Oh, not really, no. no. I'd rather go out to the pub. Yeah. And of course, he, he he couldn't do that because all of a sudden he'd had this this religious experience and it had sort of opened his eyes, mm. or in many cases closed them. Uh, Jane Croydon says you haven't mentioned "Come Dine with Me" this week. Have you been watching? I had to watch last night. There's a very annoying woman on there who sings. Well, sadly, she doesn't sing, I'm afraid. She cannot sing. She's tone-deaf. She's got no talent. And I also think she's a bit simple. I've watched her, and they're, they're all a bit cracked on this programme, I'm afraid. And there's, none of them can cook. I mean, they really can't cook. They seem now to be finding, and I've, uh, they've obviously either changed producer or done something very wrong, uh, where they've, um, they're just picking people because they're odd and they're peculiar. And this woman sort of sings and is, is a bit stupid. If you, if you turned up next to her, you just go, oh, go away, you're a barmy. Go away. And, and she thinks she sings and she doesn't. Mm, which goes to prove they shouldn't mess with the winning formula, really. No. You know, just the same as they've done this, this other programme that's uh, like Come Dine With Me, but you stay overnight. Yeah. That, to me, doesn't work. No. No, definitely not. I don't think so, no. 84850, steve at Have you got a final one? I do. Mm. Um, UFOs. <laughs> Let's do UFOs. Oh, we love, love UFOs. Um, because we've got two related stories here. A group of drinkers <laughs> who claim they've spotted UFOs yes. as they came out of their local pub. The and, clue is uh, in the in the story, they came out of their local pub. But the whole area at the same time was plunged into darkness. The Lord Nelson pub landlord, Keith Gelger- Gelderd, and his <laughs> locals watched the shapes glowing in the sky but were then greeted by house alarms going off as the whole village suffered a blackout. Yeah. So... The things in the sky were with those Japanese balloons. then an RAF minister... uh, Sorry, an RAF... (laughs) (laughs) Ministry Ministry of Defence employee is uh, saying they're getting closer to shooting down a UFO. Hmm. 
Nick Pope, who worked at the MOD's UFO office for three years, claimed pilots had fired at UFOs on several occasions but failed to bring them down. Mr Pope added the RAF attacks were not automatic but happen when our airspace is deemed to be under threat. Hmm. You believe? Oh, well, let's not do the UFO story. <laughs> you love it. UFOs. I mean, I do like. I know these... you're a believer. Oh, a total believer. Yes, I believe that there is life out there. You know, even if it's just an amoeba, I don't care what it is. <laughs> uh, incidentally, uh, the number plate which could fetch two hundred and fifty thousand is the one we mentioned a while ago. One HRH, and they say it could go to Middle Eastern royalty. Why? They don't have number plates like that on Middle Eastern royalty. They're not remotely interested. In fact, if you're Middle Eastern royalty, you can make up your own number plates. I think they're just trying to overhype the uh, the price of it. Um, apparently, fifty one NGH spelling Singh uh, went for two hundred and forty five thousand, two hundred fifty four thousand. Blimey! I don't know why. It's a bit naff, really. Well, because somebody called Singh wanted it. Well, yes, but it's a, I mean, lots yes. of people called Singh wanted it. That's right. It is the most popular. Is it the most popular name now? I thought Patel was. Patel. That's right. Patel is the the most popular name. Uh, and also the provocative Peta advert featuring sexy models dressed in lingerie rubbing themselves with vegetables has been banned by ITV. <laughs> They've said it's too provocative and it's a little bit a little bit too over the top. Which is a shame, really, because we're going to be back tomorrow morning. So do podcast. Paul is back with us next week. Indeed. Thank you very much indeed for your time. Oh. At least it's... <laughs> well, you know, Lovely day. Oh, sorry, I'm back in the micro now. What's the matter with me? <laughs> so I'm back tomorrow morning. Do go to podcast. Go to lbc.co.uk. You can learn all about it. And good luck.